I'm Hannah Trump, and this is Hypocritical, a podcast from Palbox, where we discuss security, technology, and compliance news with healthcare industry leaders. Each month, Palbox publishes a report analyzing HIPAA breaches affecting more than 500 people as reported to the HHS. The latest edition of the HIPAA Breach Report looks at data breaches reported in February of 2022. And like always, the most significant reported breach to the HHS wall of shame was a preventable one. With a global crisis affecting security in every industry, cybersecurity risks could be at an all-time high. If cyber criminals can exploit the missing basics of cybersecurity to steal employee data, what's stopping them from collecting a ransom and then deleting that data too? Most likely nothing. And if you add into the mix the rising number of employees taking money from cyber criminals to help steal that data, the need for a more robust cybersecurity approach is now more critical than ever. Asia Anderson, Powbox Customer Success Manager, joins me again to discuss the latest breaches and other cybersecurity news. Hi, Asia. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Hypocritical. How are you today? Doing great. How about yourself? I'm pretty great. I'd like to jump in and go ahead and talk about the largest breach that occurred or was reported in February 2022. Morley Companies reported that a successful ransomware attack infiltrated its systems in August of 2021, and it accessed hundreds of thousands of employee PII. What else can you tell us about this breach? Yeah, Morley lacked the most basic cybersecurity practices. Um, despite the obligation to keep employee uh, and application information secure, they had they were storing employee data unencrypted. Um, not good. <laughs> they now face a class action lawsuit, um, and they they released a basic kind of like what to do next for employees, people affected, um, things like changing your password and signing up for credit monitoring. Um, but when we compare it to other organizations that we've seen suffer from similar breaches, it's kind of a hands-off approach. Although I do have to commend them for um, a help phone line that they set up. So if people have questions, they can call in and actually talk to a human being. What more would you suggest that this company do or other companies when trying to prevent a cybersecurity attack? Sure. Well, everybody should have an encryption partner. It doesn't matter how big your company is, what industry you're in, you should have an encryption partner. I couldn't determine whether Morley had that relationship prior to the breach. I do see that they have one now. The first step in protecting yourself is having an encryption partner. I cannot stress that enough. Um, Beyond that, uh, we are seeing at Palbox that um, workflow automation is one of the ways that you can plug some of these gaps Um, It's growing across every industry from healthcare to human resources. It's cost-effective. It's time-efficient. It can aid your employees um, and it can fill the gaps because it never gets tired. So how other than it's a machine, it can never get tired. What are some things that uh, workflow automation can do to help prevent data breaches, whether in healthcare or human resources? The first thing would be reducing human error. Um, This is year three of a pandemic. Um, and experts are cautioning we should expect another two to three years of waves of infection before COVID becomes, you know, quote unquote, normal the way that the flu has. Um, that means more burnout, more attrition, more stress for the people that have to cover the roles that aren't being filled. And when people are tired, they make mistakes. Um, in addition to reducing human error, machine learning can identify and plug gaps. Um, one of the current requirements for accessing our work 
flow automation technology is getting set up with um, Powbox Premium, which offers an archiving and data loss protection solution. Um, the reason we require this is because we're creating a data warehouse that allows us to learn about your routine business behaviors. So there may be gaps that you're not even aware of yet. Um, maybe there is an organization that you are routinely sending money to and that organization doesn't have encryption. We can learn about these things by looking at the emails that are going in and out of your um, org. We can look at um, you know, the behaviors that you're doing in routine to figure out where the opportunities are to fill the holes. So how are you as a customer success manager preparing your clients and your customers for this potential switch to a more employee-friendly way of working? Well, we're asking a lot of questions. And that's not surprising to our customers. Um, a lot of the interaction that we have with them is inquisitive. We're trying to learn about you know, what's unique with their situation. We have a lot of hypotheses about the challenges that they're facing based on the industry trends that we read and all the articles uh, that are out there analyzing it. But healthcare isn't a monolith. The issues that practitioners face will be different than the folks in healthcare tech or insurance. So we want to identify um, bottlenecks, scaling challenges, and where they have inadequate firepower to actually complete you know, mission-critical tasks. Um, and something, something that I read this month, um, Harvard Business Review put together, they do these uh, 10 must-read must read articles in all kinds of different uh, subjects. They put together one of those um, collections in 2019 on AI. And uh, it's, it's really interesting to read because the conversation pre-COVID was about increasing efficiency without job loss. People were really worried that robots were going to come in and take their jobs. But post-great resignation, we're seeing companies really struggle to fill jobs and retain talent. And this is where you know artificial intelligence, robotic process automation, workflow automation is your friend. So um, when we're in conversation with our customers, we want to figure out you know, what are the repetitive processes that are business critical, mission critical, but people hate, you know? Like if you hate doing data entry, you're probably not going to be incredibly efficacious at doing it day in and day out. You're going to make a mistake. Whereas a robot that's programmed to do that task, move information from one place to another, it's, it's not going to get bored. It's not going to get tired. It's not going to feel that it's not being recognized for its full potential and deserve a promotion. It's just going to get that job done. And it's going to keep you compliant and it's going to keep you safe. I think it's really interesting that you said pre-COVID, we were all afraid that robots were going to take our jobs. And now that we're two years in, two plus years into a pandemic where we're all working from home or schooling from home, we are looking for ways to make our entire lives more efficient uh, from smart homes to smart mm -hmm. jobs. It's, I think it's really interesting because I can think of tons of things that entry-level positions that I had or that Gen Z is coming into that they're probably like, well, I don't want to do this. Why would I do this? Why would I spend my whole day doing data entry? You know, where, where do you grow? Where do you go from there? What is the potential for an employee to grow and learn with your company doing that? Whereas you could say, hey, we have this workflow automation that does all of these things. We want you to audit what you audit the data. Tell us what you see. Help us figure out solutions. That kind of thing, instead of having to do that most basic, like you said, rudimentary stuff that is mission critical for a company, but 
is boring and terrible and awful. <laughs> yeah, completely agreed. I think that, you know, when you and I as millennials were coming up, you know, going through college and getting our first jobs, there was a sense of having to prove ourselves as, you know, doing the grunt work, doing the boring stuff so that we could prove that we were qualified and, and ready to get to the next level. The generations that are coming up behind us don't have any time for that. <laughs> They know, you know, they, they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on college or, um, you know, going into certificate programs to build uh, skills like, you know, to become engineers or whatever. They don't have any interest in doing those repetitive tasks because they know that there is software that can be implemented to do it for you. Why would you waste the creativity of a human brain on a spreadsheet? Oh, definitely. When, I mean, I, I think about this a lot. I run a lot of reports and I think about how I used to have to individually pull data and now I can just change the date range for something and it already pulls for me. Exactly. Um, so speaking of, you did mention top cybersecurity trends for last year and predictions for this year. Uh, you and I both read that the United States Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency published an overview of the top trends for 2021 and some things that employers and individuals should do. What was your most interesting takeaway from this report? There are two articles uh, that CISA has put out recently that we'll link in our transcript and I highly recommend reading. One is the trends article and then the other is warnings, um, both very important to take a look at. Trends, um, it's not really surprising. We've talked about a lot of these things before, um, but CISA continues to um, warn about phishing attacks being on the rise, RDP, remote desktop protocol being a big vulnerability, and then you know a whole host of software vulnerabilities. On that note, um, this month, they published um, an update to their um, binding operational directive. They, they published one of these last year where they identified almost 300 software vulnerabilities that federal government agencies had two weeks at the time to um, patch and deal with. This month, they published an additional 95 vulnerabilities and gave the government until March 24th to deal with them. Some of these vulnerabilities have existed for 20 years. So when I say it's important to assess your software vulnerabilities, this is what I'm talking about. Stay up to date with the patches, which you know we, we say that ad nauseum. Um, make sure that you disable credentials when a project ends. You know Anybody that has um, remote access to your organization, stay on top of how often they're accessing your networks, when, you know who it is, and as soon as the project is over, revoke those credentials. Do you think that is something that you could build a workflow automation for that absolutely either puts out on a spreadsheet or pings like, hey, this vendor keeps this vendor logs in at this time, kind of like uh, businesses do when you have to scan to uh, come and go from a building? Do you think that that is a workflow that you could build as well? Yeah, I think that's definitely possible, particularly from you're measuring a project in a software like Rike or Monday. Um, you can connect to those via API, so you can um, monitor when projects are occurring, when they're ending, and you can schedule, um, you know, revoking credentials. I, absolutely. What else can you tell us about any other trends that were highlighted in this report? Yeah. So last year we saw high-profile attacks on um, the food and energy supply chain. Everybody remembers, um, you know, the Colonial Pipeline, Solar Winds, JBS. 
Um, CISA is warning that small businesses need to be just as vigilant as a large organization would and cautions that they actually may be more vulnerable now because, you know, so much attention was on those big companies and there have been all kinds of, um, you know, high level protocols put in place to try to prevent that from happening in the future, which means nobody's really looking at the small businesses and they may be more vulnerable as a result. Especially because smaller businesses tend to not have a cybersecurity partner. So they don't have someone to say, hey, this is what you need or this is what you should get. They have the basics or they trust the basics. And Exactly. They- this is where magnification danger comes in. A lot of those small businesses are possibly likely using an MSP, managed service provider, um, because they can't afford to have in-house security departments. And MSPs may serve as hundreds of companies. So an attack on a single MSP has massive collateral damage uh, possibility. Beyond that, you and I had talked about this concept of a triple threat where a bad actor will hold your data ransom. You know, They get into your system via phishing or via um, a software vulnerability. They hold your data ransom. Then... They maybe, (laughs) maybe they release your data back to you after you've paid the ransom and the data could be corrupted or they may still release your data out into the universe so that they can make money off of it on the black market. And then the, the triple threat piece of this is they notify your shareholders, your partners, your suppliers. Um, so they make sure that your reputation is effectively ruined, even if they might not actually make money off of that piece of the, uh, attack. Yeah. And you and I talked earlier about how that is probably a safe gamble for cyber criminals because A, you've already paid them the ransom. So why shouldn't they continue the humiliation? They already have the monetary gain. The primary concern is getting access to the data so business can go you know, back to normal. But what's the incentive of a hacker to give somebody back you know, all of this information they could just as easily delete it. They've already made money, like you said. So Asia, I would like to kind of still talk about this, but jump to something a little more topical. The current global conflict continues to evolve pretty much daily. And I have read that a lot of cybersecurity experts are warning that potential, uh, are warning of potential cybersecurity implications. This includes a spike in infosec attacks, which has basically created an internet-wide call to action to do more than just the basics of cybersecurity. How should companies and individuals approach this heightened period of cyber attacks on the internet. Right. I'm glad you brought this up because immediately after the most recent conflict broke out, um, suspected Russian sourced cyber attacks were observed over a two-day period at an increase of 800%. So the attacks are happening. (laughs) There's no question about the vulnerabilities. And like you just mentioned, um, in addition to preparing for ransomware, We have to prepare for data corruption or straight up data destruction. Ransomware is bad enough. um, And we're kind of, unfortunately, we're we're accustomed to the behavior of a ransom being demanded. And there's this expectation that if we pay it, we're going to get our data back and getting back to business as usual. We're concerned with making sure that if the data is corrupted, if the data is destroyed, that there's, there's some way to bounce back. 
So you have to test your backups, you have to validate recovery plans, and you have to have some kind of continuity plan as well, because you cannot assume that just because you've paid a ransom, you're going to get your data back in this exact the exact form that it was when it was taken. Um, Definitely. And I think that that is especially true in healthcare because the information that healthcare organizations from insurance agencies to brokers to physicians is very sensitive. And getting data back that is missing or corrupted could really be like a life or death situation. So how do you see this this global conflict continuing to affect cybersecurity in healthcare? Well, you know, nation state attacks are going to be all about pain and fear, causing disruption, you know, lack of access to things like food and utilities and and possibly even causing death where hospitals and providers are the target. Uh, As we've said many times before, it's not a matter of if, it's when. So it's it's really important to have a risk assessment done um, and do it regularly, keep it up to date um, and and have an emergency action plan, uh, which includes... (laughs) having encryption and having backups. And it shouldn't just be backups in the cloud. I would also have, you know, physical backups and uh, maybe have them off site, not um, on the same network as your, you know, most of your system is being run. And in the last episode, we mentioned the importance of cybersecurity insurance and having that plan as well. Absolutely. And from a consumer perspective, you know, you can still do risk assessments. Think about all the things in your house that are connected to the internet. Are you using the same password for all of them? Anything that um, can connect to the internet can is, is a, a door that's open to your home. Um, and and <laughs> what we've read is that 51% of breaches originate from a third party. So you need to lock your stuff down and monitor the usage. And I would also say, as annoying as it is, if you are going to change your password, you will be prompted to sign out of other devices on other browsers. And you should always hit yes. Yes, it will be more annoying that you'll have to keep inputting your new password. But then if someone has maliciously signed in under you, you can then kick them out of your system. Yeah, some slight inconvenience today could, you know, not to be dramatic, save a life tomorrow. Um, <laughs> all of the advice that we give month over month is is based on a preponderance of evidence that this is necessary and useful. So you know, spend ten minutes assessing you know your home you know remote setting and figure out what the access points are that somebody could take advantage of. Exactly. Because like we mentioned at the top of the episode, Morley companies didn't encrypt their data that they collected from employees or anyone who submitted an application to them. And then now they have a class action lawsuit against them. So how do you see this conflict affecting cybersecurity specifically in healthcare? 2021 saw a 17% increase in reported ransomware attacks compared to 2020. Um, we know that ransomware is so profitable that attacks have doubled in the last two years alone, and, and they account for 22% of all attacks conducted in 2021. Um, here's something that I read for the first time today. Bad actors are offering your employees incentives to help them. There was a 17% increase of a threat actor paying somebody inside the house to help get data out. We know that healthcare workers are burnt out and rightly so. So we want to make sure that we are 
giving people time to rest. We're finding ways to reduce the burden on, on things that can be automated and moved off people's plates and make sure that um, we're, we're taking care of people as best as we can so that nobody has an incentive to help a threat, a threat actor. Um, we also know that paying ransoms, while it might you know, get you back to business, there's an increased backlash coming in 2022 for anybody that, that does send money out of their organization, not only in terms of consequences for your reputation with your employees, your customers, and the public at large, but specifically from the U.S. Treasury. Um, and CISA has also issued guidance to say that you should not be paying these ransoms. And there could be financial consequences and, and even legal consequences for organizations uh, like hospitals who send money out to try to um, appease bad actors. And it, you know, it really goes back to a very common theme that I talk about with a lot of my guests is that cybersecurity technology can be expensive upfront or getting your cyber insurance can be expensive or all of the training. However, paying the ransom as you just said, is very costly. And now there could be legal troubles. You might not ever get any of your data back, so on and so forth. So it's just worth to take the investment now, whether it's a simple email encryption system or you have this top of the line, robust cybersecurity plan and technology. You need something to protect yourself because if we have learned anything from the last three years, it's that cybersecurity is getting tougher because cyber actors are working harder to exploit us. Completely agreed. And, and one final easy and free thing to do, stay informed, set up some Google alerts, subscribe to updates and newsletters from organizations like Health IT Security, um, and follow their advice. It'll be free now <laughs> if you stay ahead of the problem, but having a reactionary response is going to come at a very high cost. about the Palbox HIPAA Breach Report or to learn how our products like ExecProtect can keep your company ahead of bad actors, please visit palbox.com slash blog. Our product innovation is a direct result of the feedback we receive from our customers and others who attend our monthly Zoom social mixers. Which solution can we build for you? Come to our next mixer to find out. The Palbox Kahikina STEM Scholarship is now open. Applications are due May 31st, 2022. This scholarship encourages Native Hawaiians to pursue careers in STEM. Details are linked in the transcript. You can listen to every episode of Hypocritical on powbox.com or subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Hypocritical. I'm your host, Hannah Trum, signing off. <laughs>